and songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Don Miggs, Greg Hansen, and Lawrence Katz of Whole Damn Mess over Zoom video. Whole Damn Mess is essentially a super group of sorts. Don Miggs, originally from the band Miggs. You have Lawrence Katz, who plays guitar with Mighty Mighty Boston's, and Greg Hansen, who is a very successful producer and songwriter. They talk about their individual journeys in music and how the band was formed. They talked about how Greg joined the band after they already had uh, one record out, but he ended up playing their second show. They had an album out. They had only played one show. Greg joined on the second show, and they are working on a new record now. They recently released the song Nothing in the World Feels Better, so definitely check that out. And you can watch the interview with Don, Lawrence, Greg, and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with whole damn mess. This podcast is about you guys and your journey in music and um, forming forming the band and you know uh, everything else you got going on, and especially like what what what's been going on since COVID. I'd love to hear like where you guys were at when that all kind of came down. Well, you're looking at what's going on during COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I guess right before everything shut down. <laughs> So, well, yeah. how about we start with you, Don? Where, where uh, originally, where are you from? I am from Wrong Island, I like to say. Okay. Um, and the island, up, of, the island of strength and longevity is what yes. I like to say. <laughs> I grew up, grew up there, and then um, I, I, I signed a, a deal uh, with RCA BMG when I was 19 and quickly, wow. got, quickly got shelved. Um, it was the greatest experience of my life. I quickly got shelved and <laughs> that all happened. That was right when, um, at the same time, I guess, when uh, um, August and everything after came out. And my manager at the time uh, said to me, we, when we got shelved, she said, you know, there's this band that has music out that's, he sounds like you, but, but better which was nice of my manager to say. <laughs> and, and it's all seems to be happening like in California and maybe you should get out to Northern California or something. Uh, it seems like that's really more your style. And so I took that to heart and basically told her, you know, screw you for not believing in me and moved out to California and um, then lived there and then met a girl as people do. Sometimes you fall in love with somebody and, she happened to um, have a home in Florida, which is the last place I ever thought I would live. When you're from New York, you're supposed to. I think when you're 65, you actually just get shipped there. And, 60, uh, 66, actually, is when the train comes and gets you. So I, so I moved down to Florida. And um, from when I moved down 15 years ago till now, I've split my time with uh, L.A. and Florida and... Uh, time met these guys out in the land of uh, La La. And then um, I move out there officially full time at the end of May. Amazing, amazing. Well, how did you, you said you got signed to a label at 19. What, how did you get into music? Um, it almost wasn't a choice. There was uh, always instruments around the house. And my 
my dad and my uncles all played. Oh. And it was really cool because on the weekends, they would they would start uh, just performing. And it was, he had three brothers. And I used to watch. And if you wanted to participate, you couldn't sing a lead vocal. You had to sing a harmony and you had to play a different instrument than what everybody was playing. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So um, I learned to play drums and I have a lot of recordings of me playing drums on boxes because my dad was very inventive, still is, and we didn't have any money. And so we had boxes and cans and things. And he literally would make drum set for me because it was also quieter. And I would play drums and annoy them to some degree. And then every now and again, I'd get a song that would be for me to sing. And like, I'd hold the mic cable and do a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but from that, I got kind of got steeped. My dad is very much, the 50s were his music. So all the doo-wop. My uncle, my first uncle of his is all the early 60s. So like, that's, well, you know, with all that. So then it was, then my next uncle was the late 60s. So that's all the Zeppelin and all the who and all that stuff. My other uncle was like the mid um, 70s. So it was, that was like Stevie Wonder and all the Yacht Rock. And then there's actually a, another uncle, my mom's side who played music and he was into all the 80s stuff. And so I sort of got steeped and learned all of this music. Um, which was a really wonderful, wonderful experience. But um, it was all started just by sitting around, like watching them play. And I grew up thinking that songs like Sympathy for the Devil was written by my Uncle John. I thought um, Crimson and Clover was written by my Uncle Rich, like, because I only heard those guys sing it. And I uh -huh. only learned songs from their versions. So I had a band. And we would play the songs that I learned from the versions of watching my father and uncles play. Oh, interesting. Like bastardized versions of songs. <laughs> A crazy, funny thing. Uh, and then, you know, it's just one of those things that for me, I got grounded when I was 10. And the only thing in the room was a guitar that everything else I was not allowed to touch. And I'd never picked up a guitar. And I said, can I do that? My dad said, sure. Cause I didn't play the guitar. And that started like a long, long, long love affair with playing the guitar. Wow. What did you, did you were, was your dad or your uncles or any, were they professional musicians or is it just like hobby? They were, they were weekend warriors that were really okay. good. My uncles and my dad were in a band called the Royal Heirs, and they had some success. They played the World's Fair in, in 64. And um, the Colonel, I found this out recently. I just started doing a Christmas record with my Uncle Rich. He has a beautiful voice, like Neil Diamond. He just has a great voice. And he's 73. And um, I just found out that the Colonel tried to sign him. Elvis's manager called wow. my called my grandfather and said, we want to sign your son who was 17 at the time. And my, my grandfather said, he's not signed with anybody. He's going to finish school and like real blue collared jackass of a man who died at 46, probably from just bitching himself out. Um, so one of those things where it's like, he probably really had a shot. Mm -hmm. uh, but the truth of that is, is that, Everybody really has a shot. It's just that some make it happen that probably don't deserve it. And some make it happen that really do deserve it. So, but he, they were, they were really good and they still are. And he and I are doing this Christmas record and he's doing a lot of the writing as well. 
And it's astonishing to like just realize that all of these years that I've really surpassed them in terms of musicality, he was always good enough to have done it if I ever would have just said, hey, Rich, you want to do something? Because he's really mm -hmm. obviously talented. So it was kind of a pretty cool lesson in like, uh, there's a reason why you respect your elders and, sure. uh, you know, maybe try to mine what you can get from them. So it's, it's an interesting thing. That's really cool. That's really cool. What are you, Greg? Where, where are you from originally? The Island of Strength and Longevity. Oh, also okay. Both of you guys yeah, are from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually grew up in the same town at different times. We went to different schools together. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I grew up in Bayshore, Long Island. Um, mm -hmm. Same kind of deal, uh, you know, uh, blue collary type of situation. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Dad was doing his thing, um, and uh, yeah, just kind of like loved music always it was around mm -hmm. similarly to don like my mom had this old fender acoustic guitar that um she had had since she was like 14 years old back when like uh sears sold acoustic guitars it's like <laughs> a white fender acoustic um and i was just always infatuated with it i would pick it up and it had three strings on it and i'd figure out how to make it work um and then, yeah, just I always gravitated towards uh, music. Um, never kind of really took it seriously just because that was never encouraged. It's really not in the suburbs. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm really uh, envious of people who grow up in creative households because it's, it's like I have friends who are and they're really encouraged like, wow, that's really cool mm -hmm. riff or guitar or song or whatever. And where I grew up, it was like, weird <laughs> what do you yeah, right. like you're like a band geek or you're just like some pot smoking derelict and i was <laughs> the latter um you know so like uh it, it yeah it like it just was always around but it didn't really come out until maybe like when i was in college like my senior year of high school i got really into music and and um uh when i moved to college i went to boulder colorado cu go buffs and didn't have any friends, but I brought a guitar with me. And so, yeah, I was just like sitting in my room, like YouTube had just came out. Okay. Like literally like I'm like walking around the dorm rooms being like, what's that website where people could put videos up and somebody goes like UTV and I'm like UTV. No, that's not it. But yeah, I just saw YouTube and it was just like, you could watch videos of like, you know, old vintage videos of Dwayne Allman and like Eric Clapton and like pause it and zoom in on their fingers and like learn how to play Jessica and be like, Oh, cool. Uh -huh. And I did that. I did that for literally like two years straight. <laughs> like, never left my dorm room, just watching YouTube videos, playing guitar. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like, you know, that's what I would do. Uh, again, never really imagining that it would amount to anything. Just kind of loved playing music. Um, graduated in 2000 and, uh, well, I forget what year it was, 2008, I guess, whenever the market crashed, uh, yeah, like all <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, whatever career I was lining up to do didn't exist. The job market <laughs> evaporated, the housing market evaporated, the global economy collapsed. And I was like, Hey man, I got my degree. And everybody was like, yeah, take a hike dude like we're refinancing the house and like you know like 
the company doesn't exist anymore type of shit. Sure. So uh, of all places, I also moved to Florida because uh, my dad had retired um, kind of forcibly um, and moved down to Florida to like lick my wounds. And the only thing I knew how to do was play Jessica on acoustic guitar. And ironically, in Florida, if you can do that, somebody will give you like 50 bucks to sit on a bar stool and play acoustic guitar for Bud Lights <laughs> and, and, and tips. Oh, okay. So I did that. <laughs> like, 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 uh, like, dude, you can't focus on music. You have to have something to fall back on. Like I went to college and fell back on music. music. <laughs> yeah. Literally like so stupid. Uh, and yeah, just like, was like, okay, this works. And like, was constantly like trying to find a job <laughs> while like making money playing music. Um, and that was it. I got in a couple bands. The bands broke up, so I started writing my own songs. Uh, got uh, taken advantage of by a couple of music producers and mixing engineers, so I decided to teach myself how to mix and produce music. Um, started releasing music online. Got a pub deal. Moved out to L.A. Still, still keeping my, you know, uh, still waiting for that job interview from sure. uh, to use this bachelor's degree. degree that's useless yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but music seems to be working out so um that's, that's awesome. where we're at yeah, yeah yeah i graduated this from college the same exact time right when the <laughs> oh no way yeah, yeah 2007 right when everything kind of took a dump Dude, so <laughs> giant, giant virtual digital hug to you yeah. that, that sucked so bad and then i got into radio which also took a dump so it was like oh i've got two, two of the best worlds here colliding yeah <laughs> yeah well, well same with music right when one of my one of my uh, actually my, my brother-in-law his uncle said you know when when you're the product that you're selling right a cd when the value of that product goes from twenty dollars to zero uh, you might want to consider a different profession, but, um, <laughs> you know, my track record going, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. So I'm just going to keep making music. Keep and see what it's happens. working though. It's working. <laughs> sure, man. Yeah, it's great. Well, I'm lucky to be working with crazy talented people like these guys in this band. I mean, it's really stupid. Uh, everybody is just so good. Everybody can do everything. Um, and it's, it's just a joy to work with people that, uh, that I'm really good friends with, that I love, that I hang out with, that I talk to for no reason at all. And that we also uh, make, you know, my favorite music together. So yeah, super, amazing. super lucky. That's amazing. Lawrence, how about yes. you? Are you, are you from oh, Long man. Island as well? <laughs> I, I'm not from Long Island. And truth be told, I'm not sure my story is as interesting as, as either of this. Maybe, maybe we should, we should, no, no, no economy crashes. Oh. Uh, when the economy crashes, I crashed, I was, well into my music career and too broke to care about a, a crash of an economy. Um, uh, no, I'm from Atlanta, actually, um, okay. and am currently living in Atlanta, but although spent uh, about 23 years in Los Angeles and uh, not that long ago made the same drive you did. Okay, um, with, <laughs> it's a good with, one. <laughs> with family in tow. Um, and now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm back, back home, if you will. I'm not exactly, this isn't exactly my parents' basement necessarily home, but I'm, uh, <laughs> but it is back. their garage. It, it <laughs> is right. Well, it's, it's finished. It's a finished garage. And, uh, no, uh, yeah. So back in Atlanta, um, I guess my, you know, my upbringing in music also not necessarily a creative household, my, you know, kind of, uh, 
post-depression era ethics, you know, parents or work ethics, parents, and, you know, definitely not fostering a career in music, you know, I was mm -hmm. you know, slated to go to college, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, was not very studious, if you will, uh, <laughs> spent a lot more time playing guitar and, uh, doing other things that influenced playing guitar throughout high school. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I just uh, older kids seeing older kids playing music, you know, kind of inspired me and uh, just gravitated towards it. it. Seemed like something that uh, I could do, what I wanted to do, and I just kind of stuck to it. It's, and ended up going to music school. Ended up also doing one of those uh, stints in Florida where you sit on a bar stool and uh, you know, play acoustic <laughs> versions of Eric Clapton songs. There you go. Um, and uh, and then eventually took the plunge and moved to Los Angeles. All right. And Where then, did you go to music school? Was it? You didn't I went go to Berkeley. To, oh, I you did Berkeley. go to Berkeley. I did wow. Go to Berkeley, yeah. he, he's a he's a Berkeley guy. Oh, that's Berkeley. amazing. He's a Berkeley guy. Yeah. Did you go? Um, you went in for guitar. I did. Yeah. Correct. Tell me about that. Pro I mean, that audition process must be insane. Nah, right? Truth be told, I, I think that at the time, not for a guy like Lawrence Katz. <laughs> yeah, <there> was, <laughs> sure, it was no, <laughs> definitely not for Lawrence. I wasn't coming in with anything impressive. Trust me. I mean, there were guys in there that were like offspring of famous jazz musicians. I was like a dude that talked like I may as well have been from a farm and, you know, played a green Stratocaster and, and you know, could go boom, 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 boom. It was a, uh, a, a real kind of uh, trial by fire uh, experience. Um, you know, the thing about art school, music school in general is I think that it's it's relatively easy to get and it's very difficult to stay in sure. um, for a number of reasons. A, because, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, fancy themselves musicians and artists don't necessarily want to be told or taught how to do what they think is so precious to them and mm -hmm. or it's just too challenging. So I was, you know, dumb enough to keep banging my head against the wall and uh, <laughs> and stuck it out and glad I did. Um, but yeah, no, I went in with very little, uh, uh you know, very little basically. Mm -hmm. You know, Lawrence, Lawrence, we never had that conversation because I, I went to, um, the Juilliard school of my last year of high school. So like the fame school, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I remembered uh, the audition I had, a, you had to play a classical piece because if you had to go for classical guitar, they weren't letting you come in with an electric guitar, you know? Right. <laughs> so I learned Jesse joy of man's desiring on a literally on a $10 Mexican nylon string guitar that literally got down in Mexico. Didn't have any tuning pegs. You had to use a, a, a pliers to, to Oh, wow. and it was the, it was the day after a prom and I had to do this audition and I was like tired and I still, we stayed out late. I still had half my prom, the, like the tux on and stuff. Went for this audition. Just the ruffled shirt. Right. And, and, got, <laughs> no and, got in. and I was the same thing. I was sort of astounded now that I'm thinking about it, that they let me in when I was, I was, I was okay, but I wasn't like, it was all potential. There was no promise. It was just potential. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they let you in. And then there's this whole feeling, like you just said, you really just nailed it. Like it's, it's easy to get in. It's hard to stay. And you watch the people over that year 
who are really serious and and because of the school they can make huge jumps as opposed to right. like we were all just in Bayshore trying to just figure out is that can you play an A chord in a different yeah. spot and then you get in and you really see that that thing happen it's pretty funny that it's the same thing because I, mean, I, I think Berkeley is like you well know. I I think that it was you know first of all Berkeley I remember you know the 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 talk was that like their dropout rate after the first semester was like higher than any college and then you know but you've got you've got guys that would come through there and they'd just be too good to stay in you know what i mean they could actually get out in the world and and you know be professional musicians and and you know for me it was an opportunity to kind of focus just on anything because i the, you know i'd floated through up until that point you know playing in rock bands you know smoking way too much weed and sure. you know not ha- just kind of zero focus and like like dis- zero discipline really like I, I feel like i went there and kind of learned to be disciplined and learned to learn basically mm-hmm. and i i was you know again there were some crazy talented like savant like players there um so anyway yeah and this is well, this is way pre-internet and, you know when, right. when greg was when greg was learning to play guitar on youtube i was actually dropping a needle on a record <laughs> <laughs> well what's it, interesting is like you said that berkeley has the highest dropout rate i wonder if part of it too is like because i guess the end goal is to get either signed to a label or you know play in some orchestra of some sort i wonder if a lot of those people you know either get signed or it's just too overwhelming or well, yeah i think it's expensive first of all uh-huh um there's you know you're probably getting a lot of headstrong people that are, don't necessarily want to abide by the rules mm-hmm. you know the structure if you will um and I, it, it's not at all artist driven it's really more kind of trade school driven at the time particularly because it was set up that you know you're kind of getting trained to be like a general business jazz musician you know playing Mm -hmm. weddings and bar mitzvahs and things like that and it's like you know i didn't understand that i didn't understand jazz to be perfectly honest with you i was like why isn't acdc uh as relevant here as john coltrane and at the same time you know i started to lose touch with what really got me into music, which is mm-hmm. more ACDC than it was John Coltrane. I can promise you that. Right. So, right. Um, but I, again, you know, I kind of, I, I stayed open and just, you know, tried to, uh, you know, just tried to understand and comprehend and take on as much as I could. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and the greatest thing too, is that even to this day, you know, one of the first guys that I even met there is one of my closest friends. Oh, wow. so so being you know the, the kind of the community that you kind of like you know you take with you has been was the best asset which is probably sure. true of a lot of college experiences yeah i was gonna say that's that's college in general is it's yeah. like yeah school is cool don't fail uh but right. meet everybody yeah that's right with yeah. everybody you know what right. I mean? hey lawrence was yes, your sir. was it really competitive or were you guys were, were it was crazy sports? competitive crazy competitive i mean there was like and 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 i i didn't understand being like i understand being competitive i never understood being competitive with music because it was so personal and it like it really triggered all of my sensitivities like i thought that music was meant to be kind of like a way to kind of expose yourself in a sense and 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 in a kind of safe space and then all of a sudden 
you're getting your head cut off and you're getting grit, you know, you're kind of getting judged for it, which was super counterintuitive to me. But, you know, I understand why, like they had a whole rating system where oh, like, sure. you know, you had to perform on four different levels of like, you know, it, one would be improvising, one would be reading, one would be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just never tested well like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just it was too overwhelming for me. Like I, I can't like gun to my head is not how I perform the best. And that's kind of like what, what you it know, was. what that, that was the structure basically. Was it oh. like, where I would imagine it would be kind of in, intimidating to even like go out and perform around the area because it's just all people Dude, that know everything. It was, like, oh, it was can you believe you did that? <laughs> it was intimidating to walk around that place. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, again, there was like, you know, you've got these, yeah, just kind of savant like musicians that mm-hmm. have now found their, like, they found their place. Sure. You know what set you up for? I feel like I was trying to, like, really trying to articulate this to my kids about us moving to LA and about the changes and about how hard it is to make new friends and, all the different things about what really I was talking about college and, and sort of after school life in, in my head, trying to articulate it for them. But what, what's good about all of that, that I'm realizing now is in my school, it was like that literally would break out. It was like the fame movie. All of a sudden you'd be in a room and everyone would start, they'd have dancers going around and you're all playing something. And I always felt like an outsider because I didn't really I was a little intimidated and I didn't really care about that. But what it taught me is like, we just finished this tour with Cheap Trick and ZZ Top. And they're, you know, he says just, he means like late 2019. (laughs) Just when everybody can play. Exactly. (laughs) Pre COVID, if you will. But what's funny about it is there wasn't a moment with these rock and roll hall of famers that I didn't feel like we belonged. And I think that comes from all that experience and the, like the initiations you had to go through back then. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a moment where I was like, man, are we, are we good enough to be on this stage? It always felt like, well, get ready for this people, you know, like, so, mm-hmm. and I got to believe that that comes maybe that started back then mm-hmm. and then just sort of continued. So yeah, I get that. I, you know, the, the whole music and, and competition and intimidation thing is still fucks with me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it just, they, it's super counterintuitive to me. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, it's interesting that you guys, I mean, coming, you, I mean, you guys have all played in, with and, and for, you know, very, very successful bands and still kind of having that in your back of your mind, like, oh, you know, we're playing with Cheap Trick and ZZ Top, but, you know, you guys have all been in successful bands at one point or another. Yeah, but it's still, it does, you know, all of that, it's the emperor's, you know, new clothes, or maybe you find out the emperor has no clothes, right? So there's always that feeling, my God, I do this in this band all the time. I'm, I play in a band with three guys and usually there are other people, if it's Mick Fleetwood playing drums or somebody mm-hmm. with all of these people who are, you know, just, they do their thing. I don't want to say it, but, uh, but they do their thing better than I do. And they're, th- and I don't want to feel that inside really, but there's this time where you're like, fuck, am I a fake? Like, is anyone uh, going to find out that I'm the weak fucking link? 
like, like the when, imposter syndrome type? the old imposter syndrome exactly and that happens what? all the time you know and and um i guess it's it's easier when it's with believe it or not cheap trick or zz top or fleetwood or anyone else because they're usually they're not as sort of close but when it's with family like when it's the four of us that's when it's it's more intimidating that way than it is when you're out playing with uh, these rock and roll hall of famers believe it or not it's interesting well for you greg like how did how do you come like how did you meet these guys i mean they're they're coming from you know boston's and migs and these bands that you probably grew up listening to as i did um like when you meet these guys with learning you, them on YouTube, learning the riffs on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you and I are coming from the, the YouTube ish generation where now you're, you're getting to play with these guys. Was that intimidating to the first time? Um, I don't think so. Cause I'm just so stupid. I just love music so much. So I don't think about it in that way. If I was more aware of that, I'd probably be too afraid to send anybody a demo at all. Mm-hmm. But I just am, I love making music. Like I just fucking love it. So like any opportunity to go into a room and go and do what I love to do um, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've worked with enough people to know that most of the times I'm not going to be the most talented person in the room. So on those days, it's just really nice to, go in there and shut the fuck up and <laughs> sit down and be like, all right, cool. Like, how can I help? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think that coming from our generation helped a lot because Lawrence is so uh, well-learned in terms of uh, theory and, and Don is too. And obviously you look at their studios compared to mine. Uh, they've got a lot more gear than I do. So they're, they're like mega engineers and I'm more like, uh, oh, I got a plug in for that. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> so they fill in, they fill in the, those <laughs> gaps. And, um, and I come in Fighter, with, down uh, fire. get down fire. Right, right, get down fire. <laughs> Dog just freaked out. We're in this new place. So any little like thing he hears, he just freaks out. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Um, so yeah. So I think that uh, I, I, you know, I just kind of get in where I fit in and, 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 try to make it better um yeah yeah for sure. well then how does how did a whole damn mess start like how did you guys all get together and and, and form this band lawrence how did that happen um todd who's not here you're probably you know not a terrible thing i'm just kidding <laughs> um, <laughs> um no todd and i had been making music together for a while uh you know traditionally one of the things you do is you kind of hop around and meet other writers and producers in that you know kind of la community scene turns out that todd and don shared a manager which incidentally or coincidentally is how i met todd because i was friends with him as well um prior to but todd and i just went for a kind of you know a a writing session with Don and we met Don and we, you know, started working together and it quickly kind of presented itself that it was more than just your, you know, writing session with kind of ambiguous goals. And we, you know, we clicked and we got along, we wrote a good song and uh, kind of just became friends and just kind of kept after it. And then uh, the three of us made a record together 
Okay. And then um, Don and Greg started working together, and then we became uh, one big happy family. Okay, so was that the the Queen and the Outcast? Was that the first yeah, record that you, the correct. three of you guys put together? Okay, and then later sure. is when Greg joined and the band. Greg, yeah, so Greg Greg played the second show we ever played, and uh, so and then we had already had three of the five songs from Prince's Turn to Thieves, and. I did that piano song, Love Me Anyway, which wound up just being a piano song on Prince's Turn of Thieves, which we were, right after we uh, mastered it, uh, Mick Fleetwood was like, I really want to play drums in this song. And so he did a he did something on it, which I've, I've actually never heard Greg. Greg recorded him doing it. I never once listened to it. Um, and then there was one other song, another sad reminder that I kind of had, was like, guys, do, should we do this as a band? And and everyone dug into it and Greg played on that one as well. And like, well, now let's just put that out. And that sort of put those records to that era of the band to rest. And we're like, now let's get started on the next era. And then um, we, we have like, I think there are nine or 10 songs ready for this record. Um, and we just kind of, once it started, it just kept going. I mean, COVID got a little bit in the way, obviously, Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that then um, Lawrence moved across the country and then C. Todd moved to Vegas. So all, and, you know, during that time, like, you know, ki kids are coming, marriage, all this stuff. So like life kind of happened where we're just sort of uh, our heads are sort of picking up right now. We have the last song being um, mixed right now. I'm going to get notes from Greg back probably sometime today. Everyone else is given theirs and we'll, uh, We'll get the last one done, and then this 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 little era of the band will be kind of set out into the world, and we'll work on the next one. Wow. Okay. So, was nothing in the world feels better? Was that a song that was written and recorded prior to COVID uh, that, happening? That, that's well. That's part of this back and stuff. Sure. Greg, Greg can give you the best story on that since it, Genesis was his. A G and uh, and and B G. Before okay. Greg, AG and VG, two eras. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I was really, you know, I, I at first I think I was just brought into the band just to play guitar. Like, you know, me and Don had been working together. Like, like me and Don clicked like so fucking fast and just became really uh, great friends and and really intense collaborators. And we just took every session together. So, uh, and the band was already a thing. They had released the Queen and the Outcast and they had played mm -hmm. shows before. And so, um, one show. I think it was, oh yeah, so they played one show. So that was like, you know, like, do you want to come play guitar? I was like, I know how to play guitar. Fuck yeah, I'll come play guitar. And so that was kind of it, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I hadn't really collaborated, uh, again, like my collaboration just kind of started to trickle in. Um, but playing with the band live, becoming, you know, because I wasn't around for how the first record was written, um, but like developing a relationship with those songs, developing a relationship with, with the guys in the band, and then playing the shows live, developing a relationship with, with our, you know, future fan base and, and the audiences that were reacting to the songs we were writing, mm -hmm. kind of provided the DNA for how I was thinking about how I wanted to produce a whole damn mess song or what I thought it would sound like, which I, I was talking to Lawrence today. I think 
my subconsciousness has finally cracked the DNA of what I was thinking when nothing in the world came about. Um, but really, I was just like, I literally, I was taking a shower and, I was, you know, doing what you do in a shower. And I just, this melody popped up. It was just like, I was like, that's cool. And then that tempo was already there. And I could hear like the drums kind of rolling and the bass is like just perpetual. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And I was like, dun, da, 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 nothing in the world feels like I'm just, just happening. Like literally mm-hmm. like I'm not trying to write a song. I'm probably trying to wash my armpits. Like nothing, it, this song just kind of shows up and I'm like, that's a good song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, whoever sent me that song. Um, so yeah, just like was still kind of wet and sat down here and um, started playing the bass uh, to put the chords down. And uh, I really, I'd said this a couple of times, but uh, I really like writing songs with just the bass because I don't know what the chords are. There's, oh, you have no, well, there's no, nothing's major, nothing's minor. Mm-hmm. You might not even be playing like the root of the chord. It might be like a, a D over an F or whatever it is. And I'm not paying attention to any of that. All I'm thinking about is what my top line melody is and how that's interacting with where the root is moving. Mm-hmm. So I had that. I had just like the drums going da, 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 and I had the um, bass moving around and I had that. Nothing in the world feels better. And I had the the um, and then very similarly, the, the first verse lyrics kind of showed up in a similar way. Wasting my time. I was like, OK, like again, like I'm not actively writing this song. The song is just kind of showing up. Uh, and and I'm making sense of it as I go. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that's what I was talking to Lawrence about today. I was like, I'm starting to now like understand what might've been going on in my subconscious as to why that, that song showed up like that. But I sat on it for maybe like two months or three months or something. I think I played it for C Todd one time and he was kind of lit up. He was like, that's how that song goes. Like, I like that. Um, so yeah, I waited until we could all get together in the same room uh, and uh, played it for Don and Todd. Um, and I think Don did a really good job of lyrically taking what I was receiving and putting it into a, a lyric, you know what I mean? Like really mm-hmm. precisely. Uh, in the second verse, you go, you're diving in deep and you're coming out dry. Because what, what that song is basically about is... Uh, it's like a, it's like a, an a, a love song, a ode to the struggle. You know what I mean? Like living in Los Angeles, working as hard as I possibly can, trying to make great records, going into sessions, writing songs, sending records to people, releasing records, getting little bits of success, not having success, whatever. And you're just kind of wasting your time because you don't know if you're even doing the right thing. Like, what if I should be writing, working with these people? What if I should? Mm-hmm. What if I shouldn't be producing at all? What if I should just be songwriting? What if I shouldn't be doing either? What if I should just be a guitar player? You know, like, you know, you, you, ha- you have no information going through life <laughs> to tell you whether what you're doing is right or not. Yeah, there's you know? very, there's very little structured corporate ladder in the music business. That's for <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. So that's kind of what that song was about. And Don wrote, you know, you're diving in deep and you're coming out dry because that's what it is. You're trying your hardest to give everything you have. And at the end of the day, you're like, does nothing happen? And you do that forever. And that's kind of what you do. And then sometimes some good things happen and sometimes nothing happens. But that if that's all life is, is trying as hard as you possibly can. I think that nothing in the world feels better than that. I think that that's what life is. It should be about. I don't think Mm -hmm. that you should be defined by any success you have or by any failure that you have, because at the end of the day, neither of those things really matter. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like it just, it just doesn't, you know? And I think that happened. I'm starting to learn that as I get older, that just like your day in day out, I have a fiance who I love. I have an apartment, you know, I have a place to make music. Um, you know, I have a phone, we can, I can FaceTime people. I can talk to my parents, you know what I mean? Like all these things are still so great. So it's like, that's the dichotomy that you live in is like, Mm -hmm. things are constantly good and bad and you can decide and pick which one, which, which one you want to, um, live in. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, nothing in the world feels better is just a reminder to, be happy and enjoy things yeah. make music with your friends i love it. Know, what's interesting about that whole thing is that we wind up uh you know like i look every day to see how many streams the song's at and what's going on with that and you define yourself by these things and uh an interesting thing was said to me by a friend of mine who's who uh has way more famous than than uh we could ever hope to be probably and he said, uh, you know, what you're doing is as good as what anybody is doing. It's as good as anything I'm, I'm doing. The light just happened to hit me a little better than it did you. And when you sort of realize that, it's like, well, fuck, you can't fight with that. That's not about who's better, who does looks better, or any of that stuff. That's literally like the light just hit me before it hit you and then it didn't hit you the same way (laughs) sorry you know and so then if you can just accept that and decide that the success is in the doing you know like today greg had a great thing put out um on a project that he's done the song was put out and it was on national tv today i did a thing that uh friends of mine put out today lawrence has a video that came out today see todd has Another thing he had come out. So like the success is in the fact that like we get to get up tomorrow and do it all again. And then we're all just hoping we're going to do it a little better. I love that. I love that. And I, and I love the, the, how positive the song is for, especially for the current state of the world. I mean, like hearing it, it's just like an uplifting song. And when everything you could write would, could be, you know, the last, I mean, bad because i mean obviously look we're all inside and horrible things are happening and yeah yeah well it is you know somebody somebody had had asked us uh to comment on the fact that you know we're living in this abysmal time and we're sending out these like happy-go-lucky tunes and like what that was all about and you know our response to that was we're not ignoring it we're embracing it sure nothing in the world is about things sucking and being mm-hmm. stoked about it. You know what I mean? Like not stoked about it, but being on, you know, staying positive through it and realizing that, you know, life is about living, not about 
winning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I love that. Uh, I did see, I, w- I wanted to ask you guys, speaking of like, you know, having stuff on national TV, there, there's a video on your Instagram from the Super Bowl. Was, did that song like, was that was on, on during the Super Bowl? Like after the, no, it all, what happened was, is that, tell me about that. Cause that was like, this is amazing. This fits perfectly to this. I right? wonder if this really happened. Like I need to no, ask so, so, um, we know some people over there and we thought if we did the legwork for them, it'd be, make it a very easy thing for them to just do their part. And, uh, so Put that was the <laughs> thing we did for them and they did not use it, but oh. we did. Yeah. But it, you know, it looks like, le- I mean, like it legit happened. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Well, the, you know, that's the thing about also, if you, you, you get to, if you do things well, then they're well done. And so that video and all that was well done and it looks good. And it wasn't trying to fake anything. Literally it was just like, this is, this goes with this and we're using it. And that's just what it is. So. I love it. And then you guys, you were talking about being in Florida too. So I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, it has the, the, the Florida tie and they're, they're able to, to get it on there. Or- Listen, there were a million ties that should have made that thing a no brainer. Uh-huh. And that, that's what you start to figure out that like, that's not the way the world works. The no brainers are usually no bueno. They usually don't work. So you sure. just sort of, um, you, you know, like I stopped relying on any of that. The only thing you can do is get up every day and work hard. Mm-hmm. And all of the stuff that happens is you literally have to watch it. Like you're watching, like you're in a car driving by it. Cause if you stop and get in front of it, like, puff up with it, you're fucked. If you're gonna get run over by the car, don't get out. Just keep driving, look at the accomplishment and be like, that's cool. And start looking in front of you again because the minute it comes out, you're already on to the next thing. And I've found a lot of people who get stuck in their one big moment. Mm -hmm. And because they got stuck in that moment, they couldn't get on to the next moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been around long enough to see people who've, who've had enough success that I knew they weren't going to have another thing happen. Now it doesn't make me smart because most people don't even have the one thing happen. So it's a good guess. They're not going to have another thing happen, but you can see somebody in the way that they accept any sort of adulation that you can just sort of tell like, Oh, that person's in sort of stuck in the whirlwind of this moment and is not going to be able to get by it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see you can see a lot of that now with like the TikTok success stories and and all that with artists just kind of or somebody putting a song out and it just blows up for 15 minutes and are yeah. they going to be able to to follow that up? And the answer is nine times out of ten, no. But that's okay. And then enjoy the one moment you had it, and then just keep like trying to like, you know, I don't know. The thing about it is, you're either a working musician or you're a sort of a celebritard. You're someone who has had something happen and you're like, I got this thing and aren't I the best? And you're jumping out in front of people as opposed to like, I, I got a thing and now I'm gonna go get another thing. You know, like, what do you think Greg's doing today? He had the song on national TV. He's working right now on the mm-hmm. next thing because mm-hmm. 
the, even if that thing got that, there's no depth. <laughs> right? There's no deciding that that's going to bring him success. A uh, uh, thing of Greg just had this other project that is amazing. It's sound. It's unbelievable, and I haven't. And it hasn't broken yet. But it's but it's a thing that everybody looks at and goes, "This is amazing." Mm-hmm. So there's like you can't get caught up in if it does whatever it does and you just hope that maybe when you turn back around the thing that you did the you know the plant grows enough and then all of a sudden there's success mm-hmm. yeah that, that makes a lot of sense but yeah going back to the the one minute of fame i mean trying to hold on to that forever it's not gonna not gonna be you know there won't be any longevity there whatsoever but if you you, you have one thing and then now it's okay it was on to the next on to right the next. Yeah. But you have to ask yourself, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Like, if you're like, why do you work at a bank? I just want to make money and I want to get rich. Okay, cool. Like, best of luck to you. Like, why do you make music? I just want to get rich and be famous. Like, okay, best of luck to you. Like, none of us care about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I can confidently say that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if, 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 if whatever happens, we're just going to, you know, oh, that's cool. Back to work. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that. I love making music and uh, you know, there's no, there's nothing that would, that would change that. I'm just mm-hmm. a lucky person. And, and we all are lucky people who got to find out what that is, whatever that thing is that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're lucky enough to be able to do it. So um, yeah, that. to people who uh, are trying to become rich and famous, I hope that happens to you. Uh, Jim Carrey has this amazing quote. He's like, I hope everybody gets rich and famous so that they realize that that's not the answer. And then they go back and do whatever they want to do. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, you know, get rich and famous, but, um, you know, find something that you love to do because that'll make you way more happy in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I yeah. feel. That's awesome. Well, Lawrence would... has gone dark. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Uh, going so up to see, I'm going up to talk to my parents. They're making a lot of noise up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's, like, it's like wedding crashers. Remember wedding Meat crashers? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Mom! <laughs> uh, nothing in the world feels better. Is that Was that the first um, AG song then after Greg? And and where does that sit as far as the rest of the the record? I know you were talking about how you have more songs coming out. Yeah, um, I mean that, that was not the first one that we had started. The first thing was a song called "Call the Dogs Off," which I'm excited about. I love the song. We've been playing it live, and that had Nick Fleetwood playing drums, which is pretty oh, great. Wow, that's huge. That was the first sort of we collaboration of like this group and we're like oh this feels like a thing and all we've done is sort of keep fine-tuning it then we did several other songs that are all sort of on the corners and in the last four or five we've really hit the stride of like what i always say to people is you want to you want to make sure before you veer off left you want to make sure that you do you do a song you do a group of songs that feels like an entire family. So you got, you know, the husband, the wife, the child, before you bring in the aunt, the uncle or a cousin, you literally make sure you get this body of work that all feels very, very similar in terms of spirit. And so we've now 
done that with a series of songs that when they come out, one, two, three, four, you're going to be like, oh, when I want to feel this way, this is my band for that. And then you can make a turn, but it's no different than to me, all of the greats. If I think of Pearl Jam, Rolling Stones, The Who, the B, any of them, you hear a sound in your head. Now, when you go listen to their disc discography, it's vastly different, but that doesn't mean you don't kind of attach to a sound in your head. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what we've done. You're, we're going to be doing a body of work that's different because we're four very different people, but we have a body now that you can sort of identify with when you're thinking of whole damn mess. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so th there's going to be a full, a full record part. Like, yeah. Uh, who knows how all oh, that works? We do know sure, we have sure. a full we have a full record's worth of music, and then you know that's the if a tree falls in the forest, and no one's there. Who cares? So if you put out <laughs> a record, and we and you put out all you know ten songs on uh, next Friday, and only one of them becomes like the single, then you've almost wasted nine other shots you had in your in your quivers of arrows in your quiver, right? Mm -hmm. So the way now you have to do it is you take seven of the 10 shots and then you go, and by the way, here's the last three, you know, that mm -hmm. now it's an album, but we got to first take several, several uh, aims at the, uh, at the target. Sure. Yeah. What a different way of releasing music nowadays. Yeah. And it's all fun. Who cares? I just, you know, I still always will love a, a, a record for, a body of work that's saying a thing, you know, like mm -hmm. Kendrick Lamar still believes in that. He releases a thing. He'll also do a million other things, but when he releases a body of work, you're like, shit, this is a body of work that's all speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's still something about that for me. Yeah, no, definitely. There's something we said about putting an album on and hearing it fully through. There's a reason why a, an artist chose this third song to be the third song and the last song to be the last song. I mean, I feel like there's but, but make no mistake. If you're, to under it. 30, if you're under 30, you probably don't care about it. And so <laughs> if you're still trying to push your agenda on, on a public that's not interested, then you're the moron. So you've got to play with within the sort of within the confines of what the world is interested in. I think. Mm -hmm. No, totally. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. Speaking of uh, bodies of work and shooting arrows, I got to go pick up my kid from school. Oh, can I ask um, you real quick one question yes, real please. quick, Lawrence? Before Absolutely. You, actually, my last question actually, for all of you would be if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I know you guys, you've been giving advice throughout this whole entire interview, but I'd love to get uh, one piece <laughs> of advice from you. Go to college yeah. for something else. <laughs> go ahead, Lawrence. Uh, advice for aspiring artists. Um... Kind of, I, I guess stick to what you do, stay open, um, be true to who you are. Don't, you know, and, and just do it. Just keep doing it. Kind of like what Greg says, get up every day and just get after it. Or Don said that, I think. But uh, yeah, I guess anything super philosophical and heavy and deep, not necessarily. But I think that ultimately just keep on keeping on because you know it's 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 a a moving goalpost you know you never you never get to the finish line so you just got to keep on learning and keep on trying and keep on doing it 
I love that. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I, I appreciate you being on. And, uh, and thank you. I'm yeah. sorry to duck out early. Oh, I just got to no. go uh, do the pickup. I appreciate it. I have to go get my um, kid here in a minute anyway. So thank you. Congratulations on your move. And thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. See you soon. You know, I, I, I can tell you the same thing. It's like you never know what song is going to be the one that somebody comes to. So your job, I think you just keep writing them. You keep doing whatever it is you do. And if it's good, you, you know, water finds, finds the, the, I guess a crack. So if it's good, you'll find your audience. And now it's just defining if that number of people in that audience are okay. But I would say if you want to really have something happen, you need to declare a side. You need to put your stake in the ground and say, I stand for this with my music, because for me, all the greatest artists are you join their cult, so to speak. And the ones who you just like the song and nothing else, there's a there's that might be a great moment, but that might not necessarily be a career. So you've got to decide if you want a moment or a career. And I think that both of them are valid. Um, one gives you a huge rush and the other one keeps you employed and maybe not working somewhere else. So I tell people every day that it's about the work. You, life is a garden and your job is to go into the garden every day. And some days you're picking flowers and other days you're pulling weeds. But every day you get in the garden. So that would be my advice. I love that. What about you, Greg? I know you've <laughs> uh, yeah, said. I mean, no, it's very, very similar to that. I think the number one thing that I, I would tell myself early on is start collecting no's uh, from people and start failing immediately. I feel, I feel like so many people in the creative, it's such a like, like spiritual and emotional and you're putting yourself out there and you're so vulnerable and all this stuff. And so many people are afraid to fail. So many people are afraid for people to say like hey man this record's no good i don't like your song i don't like your voice i don't like your guitar playing or whatever it is um that they don't even get started and what i what i'm learning as i keep going on is that like that never ends you're always gonna you know what i mean like five years 10 years 20 years into it you know what i mean like you, you're gonna drop an album in 20 years and somebody's not gonna like it you know what i mean so start failing immediately and get used to that and start getting feedback because you need to get over that hurdle. It's a giant hurdle to get over. And you never know what it is that's going to click. And if you're the one that's like creatively castrating yourself, uh, it's just such a disservice to what music is on like a human level. And also, um, it's just really detrimental to, uh, to your success. Um, so get started, start getting no's, start getting, start failing immediately. Uh, with those failures, you will get tremendous amounts of feedback. You'll learn where you can improve and you will um, make better music and you'll be happier.